Blog Talk Radio. One of these days, this motherfucker's gonna work. I don't, know why, I don't know why you bother playing it because it never works anymore. I don't know. It, it, it's it's almost a gag now. It's almost become a gag. So just wait until the, we talk for like three minutes and then just hit it randomly and have it play. Kind of like have a, a cold open to the show every week. Yeah, because it's sort of what happens. It's probably a good idea if we, if we really thought about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's Wide Men Can't Jump, as the intro will tell you whenever it decides that it wants to play. Uh, it should be any time that the intro will start playing. But I'm Nate, he's Tim, and I'll play his uh, O Canada whenever the intro plays here shortly. And uh, see if we can, this uh, professional programming here, welcome aboard. See if, we, see if we can coax it into playing. Let's talk about something serious for a second. <laughs> okay. Let's no, let's talk. Didn't work. No, no, it didn't. It let's talk about the quality of uh, confectionery foods at the at your later at your closest NBA stadium. Are you content? <laughs> Are you content with those nachos? You got to content be. with the quality of hot dogs and nachos at your local stadium. If not, don't even pee in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There we go. Exactly. Get in touch. Right? That's a good. That's a good segue. I like that. There we go. <laughs> You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com/slash/wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com. Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meat at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code wide men to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter, at Wide Jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. All right, the intro played and it only took us four minutes to get the damn thing out of the way. Uh, again, a big thank you to our boys in Horseburner. They're West Virginia Stoner Metal. If you like them, check them out. They just dropped a new album uh, called The Thief. It's available now on all major platforms. 
for all you metalheads out there. Check it out. It's Horse Burner, The Thief. You will enjoy it. Nine songs, 45 minutes, available right now. If you're an Apple Music guy like me, go check it out. It's there. Uh, again, Horse Burner. Check them out. Great guys. And they'll be on tour soon, so check them out. Adam and all the guys over there, great dudes. All right. what What's that? Wait a minute. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, thank you, Rusty. Uh, Rusty Shackelford. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an update. Um, I'm told we have a correspondent out in the field. I assume it's uh, Rom Thomason, so take it away. We interrupt this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump to take you live to our on-the-spot reporter, Rom Tobinson. Good evening. I am Cecil B. Buxnort, filling in for Rom Tobinson, who is on assignment this week. I am in downtown Shinston, West Virginia, where the Pickle King, Ed Boggess, is about to come to the podium, where he will address his thousands and thousands of fans about his upcoming battle in the NBA food eating contest, which of course, as you know, has been added to the All-Star Weekend in the upcoming season. The NBA today announced their team. Surprisingly, no current players on the squad, but some big, big names in the eating world. Of course, Robert Tractor Taylor, a beefed-up Eddie Curry, and of course an even bigger Oliver Miller, to be captained by that powerhouse, that massive man, that piglet of a dude, Charles Barkley. Of course, as you know, Bogus is a local legend and even a national one. He attended the University of Notre Dame. I don't really know if he did, but we're making it up if he didn't. Um, he was the NCAA champion four years in a row in assorted eating events, including, let's see, hot dogs, hamburgers, popcorn, cotton candy, and, of course, his favorite pickles. He also is well known for his sorority pranks, except I guess he was in a frat house, not a sorority, details, where they would raid the local Sheets gas station, and Bogus would stand triumphantly on the top of the roof while guzzling Slurpees. He looks to be in superb form, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tall, lean, and lanky. Um, looks the total opposite of the NBA squad, in fact. If you put Bogus beside Barkley, you would get a 10 easily. Um, with the other four <laughs> members, you would get, well, I don't know. I'm I'm from Kentucky, so I really can't do the math on that one. Uh, regardless of one with a lot of zeros. It's a big number, people. This is all I know. Uh, Bogus, of course, uh, a legend, as I said earlier, um, known uh, locally as the Shinston Sinkhole. Um, he's also been given... <laughs> several other names by the press over the years. Uh, some, uh, I'm not sure if they're an innuendo or not. The Pickle Polisher. Uh, I don't know about that one. That, that that sounds like it might have been coined by someone who wasn't a fan of Boggs's. But regardless, Boggs is the defending uh, pickle-eating champion 
of uh, the uh, eastern seaboard. Um, he could easily defeat the uh, western seaboard if he was so inclined, but uh, he doesn't like to travel, um, regardless. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, as Bogus makes his way through the crowd, let's just look a little bit closer at that resume. Um, all right, we've got... Uh, uh, we've got, of course, Bogus, uh, a seven-year Lincoln High School leading champion. Um, I'm going to guess, hopefully, that uh, that was just uh, he stayed in school a few extra years uh, to win the title <laughs> again and not because he was held back. Um, of course, Shinston uh, County Fair champion, uh, the local sheets champion, uh, West Virginia champion on 32 occasions. Uh, unbelievable record. Of course, uh, we all remember the... Uh, 1999 final where he uh, destroyed Bruce Pobans in a hot dog eating contest and then beat Pobans up in the parking lot after the event. It was unbelievable. Uh, caused a lot of stir uh, among the wrestlers because, of course, as we know, Bruce Pobans, uh, a, a, a huge name in wrestling uh, in his own mind. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Boggs went on to uh, defeat, uh, as I said earlier, uh, NCAA champions. Uh, left and right, uh, they named a division after him, the Bogus Division, uh, uh, no one wanted to compete against him, uh, in fact, there is, uh, unsubstantiated rumors that, uh, Bogus dressed up as a female and competed in the women's eating contests, uh, but that, of course, has never been verified. Um, here he comes, he's just shaking hands, as I said earlier, looks good, um, let's get back to a few of those other nicknames, the Pickle King, of course, uh, you know, is, is a title that many aspire to, and but there can only be one Pickle King, and that is, in fact, Ed Boggus. Uh, surprisingly enough, for a West Virginian native, uh, Boggus is uh, literate and uh, <laughs> apparently does not do meth or uh, make his own moonshine, which, uh, of course, really makes him stand out in the crowd. <laughs> well, he's finally made his way through the throngs of millions here in Chinston, West Virginia. Uh, it looks like uh, he's going to speak. Uh, they do have... Uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, uh, what I would say would be akin to a, a um, like a Thanksgiving uh, set up there with a, a lot of food, but Bogus appears to be, uh, he appears to be eyeing the uh, several plates of food that have been put up on the podium with him, and uh, uh, it looks like we might, uh, yeah, indeed, I think we're going to see a little bit of training from Ed Bogus before he gives his speech. Um, let's see how this pans out. Show's brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New. Let's go to that, shall we? Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling one 800 208-9169 or 304-362-9200.
888-378-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Oh, man. Well, how do you well, follow that, that, ladies and gentlemen? That was an eye-opener, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, it's was... August. Uh, wow. Who knew? <laughs> what a way to start the show. But here we I are, Tim. For, I can hardly wait for his speech next week. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, a, moving on to the, to the sports what, now. what a time. What a time it's been, I'll tell you that. And, uh, man, it's been a... Uh, it's been an interesting week in the NBA. I know that much, and uh, we're continuing our our travel across the entire league to cover every team during this off season. And after tonight, we will have hit, I believe, over a third of the the markets. So we're looking forward to uh, diving a little deeper. And excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, I'm still a little choked up from. From our news report from from Cecil B. Bucksnort, who apparently is on the payroll now, and I didn't know it. And uh, you had Shackleford. Well, I mean he he's a he's an he's a producer, but you know, and we've got <laughs> apparently Mr. Bucksnort is from Kentucky, but uh, that Jersey accent kind of comes through there a little bit. <laughs> Not so, sure what kind of an accent Cecil had. He kind of covered the gamut there. Yeah, it was kind of northern, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> kind of northern, but uh, we're waiting. Yeah. We have a guest that's joining us here. Uh, it should be any time now, so we do want to thank you guys for listening in. And to those of you that listen on iTunes, and if you've had trouble finding the show on iTunes, uh, you've probably heard me say we're, we're getting that issue resolved, and you're probably sitting there going, okay, Nate, we've heard this for three months now. The issue is so close to being fixed. We hope by the time you hear this next week, everything will be fixed with iTunes and Apple Podcasts. We had a little bit of an issue going forward, but everything should be good from there. Um, so don't panic on yeah, that. I do want to say – Yeah, let's just say that uh, Apple, iTunes, and all that don't give two screws about much. Yeah, I guess like easy they, to... they move. They move at the beat of their own drummer. That's yeah, so hopefully this gets. Hopefully we get this straightened out soon. So, not a, uh, not a big deal. We're, uh, but hopefully we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking uh, Trailblazers. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, we have a guest that'll be joining us here uh, any minute now. Supposed to be joining us, and we're going to be talking Portland Trailblazers. And when he gets here, I'll introduce him. Um, so if you're a Portland fan, this one's for you. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, a lot to get into with this team, honestly. A lot to good, get uh, into. Pretty good finish, a uh, pretty good record last year. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, made it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, a lot of people didn't see that coming. So that's going to be uh, – can they repeat that will be the uh, – will be the, the – the real the question. The theme, as, you, as it were. Um, as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, we are sinking ship tonight. 
<laughs> so it would seem. But there here we, we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us here on the program, he's a co-host for NBC Sports Northwest, Blazers Outsiders pregame, postgame show host, and a co-host of the Blazers Edge podcast, Danny Morang. Danny, thank you for joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. Hey, not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Thanks for jumping on. And uh, we're going to dive in here to Portland and the Trailblazers. Uh, great finish last year as we were talking about with our, our listeners, uh, all the way to the, the Western Conference Finals and uh, ran into the buzzsaw that was the Warriors, but still had a, a nice showing in the playoffs. Uh, can Portland repeat that this year with what they've done in the offseason? What's your thoughts on Portland maybe getting back to where they were? Okay, so the way I look at things, especially here in Portland, it drives a lot of people nuts, is there's a difference between hopes and expectations. I certainly hope that they can get back to the Western Conference Finals. I, I don't expect them to. There, there are certainly a lot of changes. You're swapping out three-fifths of your starting lineup. Uh, Goner, Harkless, and Aminu, and Nurk is on the shelf until at least February. And you're replacing them with Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Hassan Whiteside. And then, uh, that, that's a lot of questions to answer, uh, especially once the schedule got dropped. I mean, what, 13 of their first 18 are on the road. Uh, I believe 11 of those – uh, for 16 are against playoff teams from last year, and then you throw in up-and-coming teams like Sacramento and Dallas in the early part of the schedule with Philly, Golden State, Clippers. Now they might not have PG early on the season, but, I mean, for a team that's incorporating a lot of new pieces to have that many road games and kind of hope that everything comes together again, that's, that's a tough ask, especially with what's been going on in the Western Conference. But the flip side of this is, I'm, uh, if, you, if you question Damian Lillard at this point, you're insane. Like, every time there's a chip on that guy's shoulder, he ups his game. And I mean, this is probably going to be his biggest challenge since LaMarcus Aldridge left. And, you know, they swapped out basically the four, four of the five starters. Uh, and, you know, they, they go on to win, you know, 40-plus games when everybody had them picked at, what, 26-and-a-half in Vegas? So... It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, they have a lot of momentum off that Western Conference Finals runs, right? So I think the interesting thing is going to be if things don't go well early on, if, the, if there's panic mode that sets in. And I think that's going to be probably the biggest storyline for the first half of the season is how fast can they get out of the gate and what happens if they run into, into a few hiccups. Yeah, and they made quite a few moves this offseason – uh, one of the big ones was they acquired Hassan Whiteside. That mm-hmm. was um, that's been an interesting question or an interesting question mark for a lot of people. Is Hassan Whiteside? Uh, a lot of people don't like the way he plays. A lot of people don't like his attitude, and he's been uh, throwing shots at Miami since he got to Portland. Um, does Portland foresee this being a guy they want to keep around, or is he just kind of there to be the band aid until? Uh, excuse me, Nurkic comes back. Honestly, I think it's going to be a Band-Aid situation. Um, From everybody I've talked to around the league, uh, from what I've been able to gather, both Whiteside and Bazemore are are rentals. They're expiring contracts who combined basically come together for, what, $42 million? That's a hell of a trade ship at the deadline. Uh, I know that Portland in the past has been linked to Kevin Love ad nauseum. C.J. McCollum right now is out there putting the full court press on Kevin Love. It looks like it's, a, it's, a, it's they're trying to get the PR going for him to come here. And honestly, I would be supremely surprised 
if Hassan Whiteside is with the Trailblazers post All Star break trade deadline. Um, and there's two reasons that it might happen. Uh, Cleveland ups their price, and there's, and there's no way for them to get Kevin Love or somebody else to, to come in and fill that role, or Nurkic has a setback. I mean, we're talking about a seven foot, 300 pounder. Uh, who's a phenomenal player, but that's a hell of an injury to come back from. It was a grotesque compound fracture. Everything's been going smooth, and it's ahead of schedule from what I've been able to tell. Um, we'll know more when Nurk gets back in the country, kind of what's going on. But the white side question is, is the big one, right? Like Portland doesn't ask a lot of its centers defensively as far as covering ground. It's be seven foot tall, be 280 pounds, and gobble up space. White side can do that. Uh, the the mentality stuff, the, the 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 trash talk to Miami, or the attitude problems that have kind of followed him for his career. Uh, if you're going to trust a leader, it's got to be Damian Lillard. Uh, for for anybody who might not know, uh, Nurkic was considered toxic, do not touch in Denver before he got traded to Portland. Uh, everybody I talked to there uh, was like, "Good luck with him." You know, uh, Dame took him under his wing, and from what we've been able to tell with Whiteside. Uh, Jason Quick, who's with the Athletic out of here, had an article about basically Dame kind of laid out for him. Uh, you come here, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of, you know, stay on the straight and narrow. If coach tells you something you don't like, you talk to me about it. You don't, you don't go off on on thoughts. That's my guy. You, you don't do that here. So I, I think the boundaries have been set now. Whether or not he sticks to them, that's I think uh, one other really big question this year. Yeah, and looking at this offseason, you mentioned C.J. McCollum. He gets the big contract extension. He's now signed for mm-hmm. another three years. I think it was $100 million for three years, which is a big contract for him, a little over $33 million a year um, as he goes forward. Was that a good signing for Portland, or should maybe they have looked to link him a little longer than that? Because they already have Lillard. Lillard's got a huge contract headed his way. Um, are you surprised it was only three years? Honestly, I'm surprised they did it, to be honest. Um, I mean, you're talking about tying Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum up into their early 30s. When athleticism starts to go a little bit. Now, CJ's not a guy that relies on quick twitch. He's he's a guy who gets you on his cadence. You know, it's it's a lot of Jamal Crawford, right? Kind of lulls you to sleep. But he doesn't have the size to compensate for, you know, mismatches. I mean, the guys that consistently give him problems are bigger, you know, two-guard types. You know, the Clay Thompsons, the World James Harden, the Mark Rosen. I know we're talking about premier players who give everybody problems, but they're guys that can take him down there and kind of punish him. And we've seen that pretty frequently. Um, the, the, the other question for me is the organization is higher on Anthony Simons than – any player they've had in the organization since they drafted Damian Lillard. I mean, the amount of press and attention that he's gotten both locally and nationally, it's, it's the same for a guy who's played 20 games. Uh, a lot of people saw what he did in the Sacramento game to kind of change all the seedings around in the Western Conference play, playoffs last year. Um, and they're talking about clearing the path for him. And that seems a little bit weird when you're going to basically sign CJ to three more years and – five years now that he's going to be in front of Anthony Simons potentially. And that's not the kind of thing you usually want to hear when you're talking about a young kid coming up and trying to clear the path for him. But it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out because they're going to have to pay that Collins here shortly. 
Um, if they do make a move for a Kevin Love type or if they go out and get a small forward like an, an auto porter, you're going to have $50 million a year tied up in Lillard, $30-plus million a year tied up in McCollum, and you're looking at roughly 85, 87 when you look at all the numbers. And then you're going to have, what, $30 million in Love or $25 million in Otto Porter? So you're going to have $100, $510 million tied up in three guys. And one of those guys is going to be blocking your, your next young asset, Simons, and you've got to pay Collins. So it was really interesting to me that they decided to just kind of go all in on the Dame CJ backcourt and commit all that money because – the year before, they signed Nurkic to maybe one of the best value deals in the league. If he was healthy right now, had he not broken his leg, we'd probably be talking about Yusuf Nurkic as one of the best non-rookie value deals in the league at $12 million a year. Find me a guy in the league who gives you 16 and 10 and plays the defense and is a playmaker that he is at that price. I mean, Vucevic was the only guy in the league last year who was at that level, and he got paid. Yeah, absolutely. Nurkic is a, was a value. I was looking at their uh, contracts earlier, and crazy value and they've got him locked in at that i believe until 2021-2022 so great value yeah. there on on uh Yusuf Nurkic Tim do you have any questions about the Blazers with Danny Yeah i wanted to shift gears just a tiny bit and look at ownership because there's been a i guess maybe not a change but sort of a change there with uh, Jody Allen taking over the mm-hmm. team um i guess so far she's uh not been afraid to spend the money. Um, has there been any, I mean, everybody knows the Allens are like, that's a quiet bunch. You don't hear much out of them. Um, has there been any talk about any kind of change as far as uh, ownership philosophy, spending, or has uh, general manager Olshay got the green light to do whatever he wants to do there? From what I've understood, they've gotten more of a green light, which is a little bit interesting because Nobody knows what the, the status is of, of Paul Allen's will, right? Because the, the news was when he passes that all, basically everything he had was going to go to charity. Um, so if the team was sold, there, there would be no money gained by any of the family that would go to his philanthropy efforts. And that was the same was true with the Seahawks. So I'm sure they're kind of going through that with a fine tone to see if there is something there that, you know, where they can get more value out of it and reinvest in the teams or However, I'm not privy to what, what's going on there. I will say this. I did not believe that they would spend and go into the luxury tax. And they did, which as a fan, you want to see that. The flip side of that is nobody knows what Jody Allen's net worth is, what her goals are, what, how long she plans to keep the team for. Uh, the one thing I do know is this team's not going anywhere. <laughs> Adam Silver is not moving a team out of a market that sells out literally every single night. Um, so that part of it will scare some people. I've heard rumors, I've heard inklings of, of, of big-time money players who are certainly interested in getting in because the NBA and the NFL, they both just keep generating revenue, just at insane levels. I mean, you take a look at what some of these guys bought franchises for you know, just a couple of years ago and what the value that they are now. Um, what's going to be interesting, though, again, we, the Blazers have those expiring deals in Baysmore and, and Whiteside, right? And those are big, big-time contracts, if for nothing else, they have to get back under that luxury tax if they're not going to be a, you know, a, a title contender because the luxury tax payments are going to hit, and it's going to be at the repeater level. Then you're paying four fifty per dollar you know, when you get to it, and all of a sudden, uh, of that minimum deal is you know, $3 million. 
all of a sudden costs you $12 million in actual dollars and the implications for the MLE and the, 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 all the different exceptions that you can have are, are brought back down when you hit those big-time levels in the luxury tax. So while they may have the green light to go after for maybe this year, they're going to have to real spending back in somehow, some way. Uh, we've seen that with the Clippers. We've seen that with the Thunder. We saw that with Miami with the way they were trying to move money around. They gave up a guy in Josh Richardson who – Again, we're talking about value deals to get Jimmy Butler, but they had to clear a lot of salary cap out and, and finagle some things in order to, to maintain that um, that sense of you know financial fluidity. So it's going to be this interesting dance that Portland does where if they commit long-term to an older guy like Kevin Love, who I don't think can live up to his salary potential for the rest of his career, um, to chase something for a year, maybe two, because they see the West is wide open. Or do they go a little bit safer and they, they, they go to pursue somebody like an Otto Porter Jr. or Robert Covington whose deal's a little bit lesser and they're probably more likely to live up to those deals? Fair enough. Um, looking at Portland, you know, they've got they've got some depth this season for sure. I mean, with Simons and Baysmore, they bring in uh, Pau Gasol, um, comes in, Mario Hazonia. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, so some nice veterans mm-hmm. on the bench there to kind of fill out that roster. Um, who do you see as being maybe the the bench guy? You know, I think Baysmore is clearly going to be your your sixth man in that role um, until Nurkic comes back and then maybe Whiteside a little more. But who's maybe the the key veteran on this roster that could help? You know, Simons and even Nasir Little, who they drafted. Uh, improve on their game and maybe bring this Blazer team together a little more? Uh, honestly, I, it's, it all comes down to Dame. That, that's really what it comes down to. As far as the new guys go and who they're looking for for the most contribution, honestly, it's Simons. They, they, are, they are putting a lot, a lot of faith in this young man. And the thing is, they're, they're going to have some nights. I mean, this always gets you know hyperbolic when you talk about a guy in the you know last game of the season where the, from the middle of third quarter on the starter sat. But when you look at his production when he went head to head with De'Aaron Fox, who's a hell of a two-way player, right? Simons didn't back down. He, yeah. he has 37 points. He he's creating off the bounce. He's creating for others. He's getting out there. I mean, he's he's really getting it done on the offensive end. Now they're going to struggle on the defensive end. And that's where you could look at a guy like maybe Baysmore um, to kind of lead the charge a little bit, because it's, it's, as much as people want to say about Alfred Camino and Maurice Harkless, they gave you a baseline defense, especially with Yusuf Nurkic in, the, in the, uh, the center position to where they could funnel some things and guys weren't going to get out of hand. When you look at this roster right now, Baysmore is the only one. Hell, even Evan Turner. Evan Turner was, is a guy who's a solid individual defender and a great team defender. You know, he's six foot seven. He's got a good build. He can cross match. I mean, those, those kind of things are difficult to account for. Baysmore is smaller than any of those guys. So their ability to switch on that end is going to be a little bit weird. So I think they're going to have to try to count on him to be impactful. Same with Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's going to go from being a, a bench player to a, a starting small forward in the league again. And when you look at Portland, um, <laughs> I don't think defensively, you're scared of a Dame, C.J., Hood, Collins, Whiteside lineup. I think you're kind of saying, well, you know what, Look, we can kind of pick and choose when and where we want to attack and wherever we have the better matchup, we'll just go ahead and exploit it. So the, the veteran presence stuff or the guys they added, I mean, 
Bazemore's really the only guy on there who's really a plus defender. Powell was in his you know younger years. Uh, Tolliver probably fits within the team scheme, but even he's undersized for a four. So it's going to be interesting to see you know which of those additions gets out there as impactful. I mean, the, the guy who fits the, the kind of prototype mold but hasn't shown it is Azonia because they're going to employ him as, as kind of a uh, .4 kind of a deal, um, you know, and when he gets out there with whether it's the, a mix of the starting unit or, or, or a, a pure bench unit, who does he cover, you know, and how much is Portland's bench going to give up? The flip side of this is they definitely invested in the offensive side of things. Like, they're going to run the offense through Simons and Pazonia with a bench unit. Baysmore will probably pick up a little bit of playmaking duties, but they're going to get up and, and run, which is – kind of weird to think about Portland because they're not a transition team. So that bench unit is going to be a stark contrast to, to what each side kind of wants to do. Um, and again, kind of getting back to the schedule, it's going to be really interesting to see how all these new guys come together. What, who jumps out um, early on and kind of takes that, that leadership role in that second unit. I mean, Damian Lewis talked about his Anthony Simons as being that guy that replaces him when he's gone. So it kind of lets you know not only the organization, but the players themselves. They look at the young man who's only 20 years old as a guy who can get out there and get things done and maybe even be a leader, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised to see Myers Leonard uh, gone from Portland at, after the uh, when the offseason ended? Yes and no. Myers is a guy, personally, I love. Uh, I talk to him pretty regularly just as a human being. Um but I think everybody knew he needed to get a fresh start, and it was a hell of a way for him to go out. That game four to get 25 first-half points and to have a crowd chant his name uh, after a crowd booed him. I mean, Portland fans don't boo their own guys. And so it was a really, I guess, cool ending. Um, I know that Portland had, had been trying to move Marcus Turner and Leonard for the last two years um, just because of the way that their deals are structured. Uh, I know that they tried to move Leonard on uh, draft night in a different deal uh, and that they didn't trust him to be the starting center, which is what he would have been. Uh, honestly, I would have liked to see him get the opportunity. Uh, maybe I was a little bit nostalgic just because of what that, that game four really was and, and how when he's kind of in his zone and being utilized, he's a real threat in the league. But surprised? Nah, I'm not really surprised. I, honestly, I thought it would have happened a year sooner. Um, just from, from what I had heard, but it, I think it took his value kind of going up in the playoffs because he was effective every time he went out there. And I think uh, Miami and a couple other teams called and asked because they saw a guy at seven foot tall who was a physical freak who could knock down threes with regularity. And all of a sudden, he went from a, a no value guy who you know teams were, were asking to take you know or more assets back in the turn for him to a guy with positive value. So uh, honestly, I, I hope he goes to Miami and he's, he's successful out there. Um, looking at this Portland team, there's been some additions, there's been some subtractions, you know, there's a lot that's went on this off season for them. What do you expect this season? I mean, of course, barring let's say Nurkic comes back and he's hundred percent healthy again, uh, he's back to the player he was last year. What do you think is their um their ceiling? Where where do you see them ending up? And you said expectations and uh, hope are two different things. Where do you see them ending up? Okay, so the Vegas over-under when it first came out was 43-and-a-half. And, and I, as a degenerate gambler, I put money on the over. I, I don't think a Damian Lillard-led team uh, is going to drop below 44 wins at this point. 
the thing is, is that the West is more compressed now, right? So I think we got spoiled and kind of uh, it, it moved the goalposts because the Warriors are winning 60 games with such regularity that that was like the norm. Like, that's not real, though. I mean, you look around the league and how many times teams have won 60 games. That's not a normal thing. The bar used to be 50 games. So if you're, if you're, if you're at that point, I think you're doing pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, I'm, I'm literally playing the, the guessing game. Uh, I, I just did my first round of it, uh, you know, kind of going through schedule game by game, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. My first time through, it landed at 49 wins. Uh, I usually do it about 10 times and then kind of factor in the schedule, back to back, uh, load management, all that kind of stuff for the other guys. And, and realistically, I think they end up somewhere between 47 and 51 wins. The problem is, is, is where does that land in the scheme of things in the Western Conference? I think at the top of the conference, you're looking at 55, 56 wins. I mean, you could be a 49, maybe 50 win team and end up with a six seed. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit interesting to kind of see where they, they ultimately end up. If I'm projecting for them, I have them probably as a fifth or a sixth seed. I mean, I think clearly talent-wise, both L.A. teams are, are looking at the one-two. Um, Denver, while Portland beat them in the playoffs, I think is a deeper team, and they're they're bringing back basically everybody. Um, so I, I think that's a team you definitely have to to worry about. Houston, I <laughs> I don't know what to look at them right now, but I think Portland's in that like kind of third tier. Uh, I think Golden State definitely falls off a bit without Clay, but I mean it's still Steph and Draymond. Uh, I think Portland and Golden State are kind of on that same level right now. Uh, and it's going to come down to health. I, I think with Nurk comes back and Clay comes back, obviously for the Warriors. I mean, you're going to have a, a hell of a track meet down to the end of the season for teams kind of fighting for playoff seating versus you know managing the the load management stuff and whether or not Portland offs to do that this year because Dame was completely gassed and said as much in his exit interviews because he'd never been that deep in the playoffs. So yeah. it, it's it's really hard to predict how it's going to go. But if you're asking me to peg a number, I'll probably I'll wuss out and say like 47 and a half. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be an interesting playoff run because there's legitimately 12 teams in, in the West that can battle for eight spots. And yep. I'm looking like both LA teams are great. Uh, you're going to see Denver, who I think is probably the most underrated team in the league. Portland's still good. They didn't lose any major, major pieces. They still got their stars. Uh, Utah got immensely better. Um, there's just, yeah, you, you, you can't I think it's going to make the biggest run. Yeah, I, I believe that too. And you can't count out teams like San Antonio's always good. Uh, you know, Houston's another team that's got a great squad put together. Sacramento's improving. Golden State did bring in D'Angelo Russell. They still got Draymond. There's rumors that Clay could be back as early as November. I mean, there could be legitimately eight teams that are good enough to make a run at a championship in the West. And that to me is is very interesting. Yeah, I'm I mean, looking you take forward look to that. Particularly San Antonio. San Antonio was a, a playoff team, and they were missing Absolutely. their entire backcourt. And you're, you're getting Lonnie yeah. Walker. You're getting Deontay Murray. Those are two phenomenal players. Now you move Patty Mills and Brent Forbes to the bench. Like, that's a team you don't want to play. Absolutely. Derek White has looked fantastic for, for uh, the Team USA Select team this summer. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. look at those kind of teams, San Antonio – Sacramento is a team that I know everybody's like, oh, they're the dark horse here. They are. And you look at even a team like Dallas or Memphis. 
Memphis has a ton of young talent. They've got so much young talent that they're just as likely to get blown out to another bad team like Chicago as they are to beat a good team. I mean, John Moran yeah. and, and Triple J are, are a franchise that I think just those two alone, you've basically got the workings of another Marcus Ole, Mike Conley type where you've got foundational franchise building blocks to, to kind of look at. And there's not a night off unless you're playing Phoenix. <laughs> You, and you know what? I don't even think Phoenix is as bad as what people think they're going to be. You look at that roster, while the management is kind of a mess, they've got talent. There's a lot of good they players on that Phoenix on team. That, I, yeah, I'll agree. The they do look good on paper. And that, that's the thing is, is the organizational structure, whether or not they kind of play out. And that's where we kind of tie it back to Portland where you've got to – like if, if we've talked about Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard being the best leader in sports – that, that's something I hear tossed around a lot. If you're going to say that, this is where it counts because you've got a ton of t- changeover. You've got a pile of road games early. You've got all these different things that you're looking at to start the season that could potentially derail it. If you're going to have that guy, he's going to be that face of the franchise, then certainly you can look at um, how how that team is going to get started Um in the, you know, the beginning of the season and kind of count on that production. So how that all plays out is, I mean, if I'm ranking storylines, those first 20 games is is probably one of the biggest. The other one is um, Zach Collins coming in and starting at the four. I mean, those are to me the two biggest things kind of going forward because they're putting a lot of pressure on a guy who's never started in the NBA to all of a sudden play 30 minutes a night because the guys behind him are Anthony Tolliver and Pau Gasol. Like, that's not scaring anybody at this point. Well, Danny, we do appreciate all your time you gave us here, and thank you so much for joining us here on Wide Mean Can Jump Podcast. And why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and uh, learn about all things Portland. Uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. You can find me on social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, and you'll catch me on the pre- and post-game show for NBC Sports Northwest, Blazers Outsiders, if you have NBA TV, or if you're in the market. Otherwise, you can catch uh, what I write and what I say at uh, Blazers Edge on the podcast and the weekly feature there. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Danny. We really appreciate it, and I hope to have you back on as we get closer to the season, talk a little more uh, Blazers basketball. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Danny Morang, and we're going to take a quick time out. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old average, everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. Thanks again to our sponsors, NewLawOffice.com. It's Stephen P. New Law Office and StripCamFun.com. Now, 
as we go cross-country on this fantastic cross-country calamity edition of Wide Men Can Jump. We started in Portland. Now let's go to a team that everybody is thinking is going to be one of the dark horses to get all the way to the finals this year. It's the Utah Jazz, and we talked with our good buddy, John Keffer, for Salt Lake City or Salt City Hoops and Porter Medium. Tim, what do you say, my man? Robinson, quit glaring at that beautiful coat. Roll the tape. Back on the show is a writer for Salt City Hoops and Porter member, a Weber State graduate, Utah Jazz man, John Kiefer. John, thanks for coming back on, and we're going to talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. Thanks for having me back on. It's nice to talk always jazz basketball in the middle of the summer. So, <laughs> Oh, always fun, always fun. Uh, we're doing our little tour around the NBA right now. We're hitting 30 teams in the offseason and talking about what's coming up this season. And uh, I think the team right now that – at least I have circled on my calendar to watch is the Utah Jazz. What a great off season for the Jazz. Do you think this may be probably the best off season they ever had? Yeah, yeah, I think it's up there. Um when you look back at the history of the Jazz, they don't really have too many that can compete. I think the last one that most Jazz fans will remember is when we were able to get in Carlos Boozer and Mebido Kerr and we had those teams with those guys and Andre Kirilenko and Darren Williams, but I mean, really, usually the Utah Jazz have always had to build through the draft or trades. So it's really cool to see players that want to come and play in Utah. So. Uh, can we just say Andre Karolinko had the greatest nickname of all time uh, for a basketball player? I'm just going to put that out there. AK-47. Yeah. That, you can't miss that. It's that's the best, that's the best, name, best name. But um, Which is great because he's, also, he's Russian, too, so it fits really well. Yeah. <laughs> It's even better. That makes it so much better. But looking at the Jazz in the offseason, the big get to me, of course, was Mike Conley. Uh, new point guard coming in. Uh, Ricky Rubio is gone. And now Mike Conley takes over the reins of the point guard position. What made the Jazz want to go after Mike Conley? Um, I think he really fits the culture well. The Utah Jazz have always been known as a very – classy organization but they work hard they're they're very gritty i mean we've for the past five years we've been in the top five of um defensive ratings so really a defense first team and mike conley coming from the grizzlies really it's it's not that different uh what was interesting to me is this is something that was long in the making uh, i was listening to a, a podcast just the other day um, i think it was ryan Rosillo. um I'm blanking on who he was talking to. Justin Zanuck. There we go. He's talking to the GM. Um, And Justin Zanuck actually mentioned that they had talked to Memphis for the past four or five years where they knew he wasn't available, but they were just calling Memphis saying, hey, just wanted to let you know if if he ever does become available, if you change kind of courses for your team and decide you want to go about a rebuild, like we're interested. Um, So that blew my mind four or five years they've been talking to the Grizzlies, just planting that seed of, hey, if he becomes available, we're interested. And last year, obviously, the Grizzlies are ready to, to make a change in their focus, and the Jazz jumps on that opportunity. And I think he's going to be just an incredible fit for the Utah Jazz team and the culture and, and the city. Well, how does bringing Conley in affect uh, Donovan Mitchell? Because Donovan Mitchell's kind of been the focal point of the Jazz now for a few years. But now he's finally got – 
a point guard to go alongside of him, and a very good point guard at that. Ricky Rubio. Let's let's face it. I was a I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, so I've uh, I've seen that jump shot or lack thereof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In Spanish, I think they call it el brick. But um, Rubio, <laughs> el brick, as good of a passer as good of a passer as he is, and a decent defender, Mike Conley just does it all. How does this affect what Donovan Mitchell does? I think overall, all the transactions the Jazz made are just going to make life so much easier on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, historically, he was carrying probably one of the biggest loads of any young player in the history of the NBA. I mean, his usage rate over his first two seasons was always about 30, 31%, which is I mean, top 10 in the NBA. Um, and for a rookie and a sophomore to be carrying that type of load, it's really not what you want. And then I know one of the biggest things, if you were going to phrase one argument about Donovan Mitchell and his game and his weaknesses, it's always going to be around his inefficiencies. Um, a lot of people view him as just kind of a high-volume player who kind of a chucker, I guess, would be the, the term. Um, but what else is he going to do? I mean, who else are the Jazz going to go to? And I think we're going to see that Donovan Mitchell is really a smart, smart basketball player who knows how to take the right shots, but he was forced to take shots that maybe were a little bit more difficult. And Mike Conley just makes that so much easier. Um, both of them can kind of take a lesser load. It'll be good for Conley, too, because he was experiencing the same thing, kind of carrying a Memphis team that didn't have a lot of offensive talent. But if if you have someone like Mike Conley who can stretch the defense and then you got Bojan Bogdanovic as well, who can now play the stretch four, I mean, Mitchell was routinely driving into the lane trying to get to the basket, and he'd be met by three defenders. Uh, that's not going to happen anymore because – who are they going to leave open? Bogdanovich in the corner, who shot 51% from the corner three last year. Joe Ingles, who shot 48%. Mike Conley, like, you can't leave anybody open. And the guy guarding Rudy Gobert can't leave Rudy Gobert because Gobert set the NBA record for the most dunks in a season last year. So uh, I think Donovan Mitchell is just going to have that freedom to get into the lane whenever he wants. And it'll just be one-on-one. It'll be so much easier for him. Um, I think his usage might come down a little bit, but I think his efficiencies and his overall numbers are just going to be even better than we've seen over these first two years, um, which has been historic. I actually, I, I looked it up for a, a piece I wrote for Porter Medium. Um, if you look at Donovan Mitchell's career numbers, he's averaging 23 points, like four assists, 3.8 rebounds or something like that. And if you look at those numbers, only 10 players in the history of NBA, yeah, in the history of the NBA have been able to match or exceed those numbers in their first two seasons in the NBA. So to be able to say he's going to be even better, it, it's really just an amazing thought as a Jazz fan. Absolutely. And then Bogdanovich, you brought him up, another big transaction coming over from the Pacers in the offseason, and he had a very nice season last year, especially after – uh, Victor Oladipo went down, and we, you know, I hated to see Victor Oladipo get hurt, but Bogdanovich really stepped up. And now you say you're going to have him at the stretch four. Some people believe he'll play more of the three. He can kind of do both. Um, what do you look for Bogdanovich to bring over from Indiana? We know he can shoot, but is that all he does? Is he more a spot up shooter? What do you think he'll do for the Jazz? Um, I think it'll depend who's on the floor. I mean, if you've got Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell on the floor, I can't imagine you're going to be going to Bogdanovich and asking him to create too much. Um, 
I think what you'll see is he's going to be more of a spacer first and foremost. Um, he'll be kind of the third option offensively, uh, which is good. I mean, really, last year he showed that he can do a lot more with the ball in his hands. He can create. I mean, I mean, you mentioned it when Oladipo went down. I think after, like, post-Oladipo injury, he was averaging, like, 21 points a game, and he was still shooting really well. I mean, he had a career year shooting last year. He shot 42.5% from three, and he had the highest volume of his career. So I think you're going to see him being that third option. He's going to spot up a lot. Um, But, I mean, that's the nice thing about having Bogdanovich as your third option. I mean, that's a great, great third option to have. And if if we need him to create, if the matchup um, is favorable for him to maybe, like, switch and put someone in the post, he can – um, score in the post pretty efficiently. If he has bigs against him as a four, he can go out to the three-point line and either shoot the three or, I mean, if he's matched up against someone who's probably not athletic enough to guard him, he can get past them. I think for him, he's going to have a lesser load in the Utah Jazz system than he did last year, but and really, I don't think people realize he's 30 years old, so that's probably what's best for him. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he uh, averaged 18. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, he, he averaged 18 points a game last year, and I think that was incredible, but I don't think that's what he expected to do, and I don't think that's what the Jazz brought him in to do. Um, for his career, he's averaged about 13, 14 points, and he's taken usually around eight shots a game, around there, like eight to ten shots a game. Um, I'm guessing the Jazz are going to have him right around that ten-shot-a-game mark. Who do you see starting, though, alongside? Because we, we can pretty much guess the four starters here, of Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, and Gobert. Who's that fourth? Uh, is it going to be Royce O'Neal? Is it going to be Joe Ingles? Who's going to be more likely to be the other guy on the court with the Jazz? I'm looking at an athletic article. They say Royce O'Neal at the four. Yeah. Um, I, I, think I kind of disagree with that. I would, think, I would think Joe Ingles would get the start over O'Neal. Yeah, um, Royce O'Neal has showed a lot, and he's one of those guys that if you aren't like a diehard Jazz fan, I don't think a lot of people know Royce O'Neal and his game. Um, I, I will say this. A lot of times I've always thought, does it really matter who starts? I mean, usually it's who gets the most minutes and who finishes games. And the finishing lineup for the Jazz, I imagine, is always going to be – it's going to be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Bohan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert. Um, now starting – um, I actually think Joe Ingles is going to come off the bench this year. Uh, he's going to be 32 years old. Last year he had a, a good year, but you could tell by the end. I mean, anyone who watched that Houston Rockets series, uh, he was dead. I mean, he really was just exhausted because the Jazz were playing him more minutes than he'd ever played in his entire career. Uh, so I, I think you're going to see Joe Ingles start coming off the bench, um, which he, he's brought up in the past that he's more than willing to come off the bench. Um, but I still think he'll play 26 minutes a game, and I still think he'll finish games for the Utah Jazz. But a lot of people are mentioning that Royce O'Neal might be that guy who steps in and um, starts kind of as a 3-4 um, and plays with Bohan. Um, but my guess is Joe Ingles will still play more minutes per game than Royce O'Neal. Well, some more uh, pieces that were picked up in the off season include Ed Davis, Emmanuel Moutier, Jeff Green uh, coming in. And I'm a big Emmanuel Moutier fan. I think he can really contribute to the Jazz as a backup point guard. But they still have Dante Exum. 
who's more likely to get those backup point guard minutes? Are we going to see more Moutier, or are they sticking with their early draft pick from a few years ago and Dante Exum, who really hasn't become the um, guard that I think everyone expected him to be? I think that's a great question, and I wish I had an answer for you. I think that's something that all of us are curious about. Uh, I, I think to start, I would expect Dante Exum to get those minutes. And unless Emmanuel Moutier beats him out, I think you'll see Dante Exum getting the majority. Um, the nice thing about both those players, though, is uh, Dante Exum has played a lot of the shooting guard and small forward because he's six six and has like a six ten wingspan. Uh, so he doesn't necessarily have to play the point guard. And same with Emmanuel Moutier, he's six five with like a six eleven wingspan. Uh, so I think both of them can get minutes, um, and you don't have to play them as the primary backup point guard. Uh, I think one of the big things with both those players is because of when they were drafted, they're both lottery picks. Uh, Dante was the fifth pick. Moutier, what was he, the eighth pick? Something like that by Denver? Somewhere in that range. Um, both of them actually have a pretty similar background where Dante Exum, a lot of people might remember, he he was in Australia. He was playing high school basketball in Australia, which, I mean, you think about the competition of high school basketball in Australia it can't be high. And then he never played in college. Instead of going and playing college, he spent a year. He spent, he chose to spend a year because he was already projected as a top 10 pick. So he decided, okay, I'm not going to play in college. I'm just going to work out and work on my game and I'll enter the draft. And Emmanuel Moutier was similar. Um, so Moutier, I didn't know this until recently. He played at high school at like Deion Sanders sponsored high school and yeah, he played in a Grace program. Prep and he played in Grace Prep in Arlington and Prime Prep in Dallas, uh, and he yeah, was and seventh it, overall in uh, yeah his draft. Uh, but he his high school basketball team, I guess his junior year and senior year, he didn't even play because they didn't have a team. He played AAU during the summers, but he didn't even mm-hmm. play high school. And then instead of going to college, he went to China, played twelve games, and got hurt. So mm-hmm. both of them are very inexperienced players. I mean, we're looking at their first three years of their career. I mean, that's the most basketball they've ever played in their life. They didn't really have a huge background. So I yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them all of a sudden blossomed and became a legitimate rotational player. Um, but I do think we need to maybe move on from, like, the lottery. Because if you're expecting them to be a star because they were picked in the lottery – I don't think that's going to happen with either of them. I think the hope with either one of them is that they can become a solid backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah. Um, Dante Exum, the biggest concern I have about him is he can't stay on the court. Uh, I, I looked at it. He's played 48% of his potential games. He's missed all the, all the rest due to injury. Uh, you could be as talented as you want. If you can't stay on the court, there's just no room for you. Um, and I think that's the one thing Moutier has maybe proven is that he's a little bit more durable. Um, so I, I think that's the path for Moutier, who you, you like, is Dante Exum. If he can't stay on the court, Moutier might be able to step in and get more minutes. And he showed last year that he actually had a career year last year. So maybe he's on the right path. And we'll see what he can do with Utah Jazz, who have a pretty good development staff. Uh, but Moutier played for the Gondong Southern Tigers in the Chinese League in 2014 and 15. So, uh, but you know, can you blame the guy? I mean, they throw you a 1.2 million dollar contract instead of going to college. That would be hard for me yeah. to turn down at 18. Yeah, so I and totally he was get it. 
he was one of those who his family had to get asylum just to come to America. And he came over here when yeah. he was like 14. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, you have to think about him. Like his family came from poverty. Like It totally makes sense to me. Like I can't judge a guy for saying I'm going to get one two point two billion now and take care of my family. And he knew he was going to go to the NBA. But then, like, he goes, and as a rookie, he plays – he starts 66 games for the Denver Nuggets, and everyone kills him for being one of the worst shooters in the history of the NBA in their first season. And it's – what do you expect? Like, he, he's starting in the NBA. He barely – he didn't play college. He barely played in high school. Like, I think we just need to be a little bit more patient on these guys. And last year, he really blossomed. He averaged almost 15 points a game and shot the ball pretty well. But I mean, he was on the Knicks. So do you think that was real or just that someone has to score the ball on a team that's a lottery team? For anybody that wants to badmouth players like that, always remember Markel Fultz is still in the NBA. Uh, so yeah. we'll just, I'll leave it there at that. He and had a better first year than Markel Fultz. Yeah. 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 And There's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And his, his story is interesting too, as far as how he came to Utah. I don't know if, if you heard about this, but he, Utah didn't reach out to him. Like he and his agent reached out to Utah and he said, I want to play for you guys because I've seen the way you develop players. And that's the type of program I want to be a part of. Like he reached out to Utah because he wants to get better, which I think is really an interesting story and shows a lot of maturity on his part that he does have the, the mindset to try and get better. Absolutely. Um, during the off season, the jazz did lose Derek favors uh, he was a long time. Uh, he was a long time Jazz player. Uh, what did it mean to the organization to have to part ways with Favors? Um, it was definitely the the hardest decision of the off season. Um, he'd been such a a mainstay with the organization. He grew up here. Um, I think it was just one of those where it was best for both parties. Um, favors. I, for example, like we brought in Bohan Bogdanovich. I actually think Derek Favors overall is better, um, but I don't think he fits our system and what we need right now. Um, we really needed to go the route of a stretch four. Uh, all the numbers when we looked at when we had Jay Crowder on the floor or Pablo Cephalosha, like those guys aren't great shooters, but they're considered stretch fours. Having any stretch four on the court with Rudy Gobert, the Jazz were just Plus minus wise, they were way better. Uh, and they weren't bad with Derek Favors, but they were just light years ahead um, with a stretch four. So I think both people knew it was time to move on. And uh, the Jazz did Favors a favor, uh, no pun intended, um, because they actually traded him. They didn't, they, they re-upped the last year of his contract and asked him, like, who do you want to be traded to? What teams you're interested in? And uh, they traded him to the Pelicans. Um I think he's going to be one of those players that for years to come, whenever he comes to Utah, he's just going to get a standing ovation. Uh, We really loved him here, but I think for both parties, it was just time to move on. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, Looking at this Utah team, they're very much improved. Um, What do you think the jazz realistically we can expect? Because the West is absolutely stacked. Uh, the Clippers, yeah. the Lakers uh, are the favorites out West right now. Of course, you can't count out Golden State. Uh, Houston, it, it looks good again this year. It's it's Basically, you're going to have about 12 teams vying for eight spots in the playoffs. 
Where do you see the Jazz going? Where do you think they end up at? I say most people will agree they're going to make the playoffs. How high do you expect them to get? Uh, That's a great question. Um, I think that's the tough thing. When the Jazz made the trade for Mike Conley, uh, my first immediate immediate thought was, man, they could be the best team in the West next year. Um, That was pre-free agency. Uh, Just because of the injuries to Golden State, it just – it lined up that we could be the best team in the West. And then after all the free agency and everything went down, there's just so many teams in the West right now that I, I think you're right. You can probably make an argument for four or five, six teams in the West to be the best team. Um, I think overall the Clippers are absolutely on paper. They look like they're the number one team in the West right now. After that, I, I honestly think the Jazz could be the, the second or third best team in the West. Uh, regular season, if you just want to talk record. Um, I was talking to someone about this, how I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz were like uh, the Atlanta Hawks from, I think, about four years ago. Um, I'm sure you'll recall the Hawks four years ago just randomly were a 60-win team. Um, They went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they ended up losing to Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. But for the regular season, they just – they went off. It was really, really impressive. Um, and I could see that happening to the jazz where we just, the schedule was just released. It's actually pretty favorable for the jazz, um, better than the last couple of years where it's just been a torture. And I could see the jazz just randomly going off and being the number one team in the West and winning 60 games, but still not being the number one team in the West where they might have the number one seed, but I would still think the Clippers or even the Lakers, um, would be the better team in the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be fun and exciting to see, though. And one of the reasons I think that is just there's so much adjustment when you bring in star players that I could see the Clippers and the Lakers and the Rockets. Like, I could see those teams stumbling a bit at the start and then catching their groove as the continuity grows and being really, really good in the playoffs. But the Jazz being good all year might give them the better record in the end. Um yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm coming. Is I think the Jazz could finish with anywhere from the first best to the fourth best record in the West, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just went on that Atlanta Hawks type run and ended up being number one in the West as far as the regular season is concerned. What do you think? Do you think I'm crazy? No, I've actually, if I had, if I was a betting man, I would have the Jazz finishing. Um, definitely, I would say probably with their home court advantage potential for injuries to other teams, their depth, I, I would actually put them at about third, uh, if I had to guess, in the West. Um, I think the Clippers uh, will end up winning the West in the long run. Um, yeah. And I think Denver is going to be another regular season team that really turns it on. But I think Utah finishes three in front of the Lakers because I feel the Lakers are going to have some injuries uh, this season. And they're, they lack – huge depth uh, behind that. But then again, maybe I'm discounting Golden State. Of course, this could change. This could all change. In my opinion, could change tomorrow. But Jazz is a top four, I think, will be consistent with me. I think they're a top four team, no doubt. And if they get that home court advantage, they are going to be a very, very tough out in the West because winning in Utah is not easy. Yeah, that's all definitely true. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, I could – I think the Lakers, I don't know if it's going to be health. I don't know if it's going to be their depth. I don't know if it's going to be chemistry. I just, 
Uh, I feel like the Lakers might take a little bit of time to gel. Um, the Clippers, the one thing with the Clippers, and one of the reasons I think the Jazz could end up finishing ahead of them is I I don't know when Paul George is coming back. I've heard he might be sure. out the first couple weeks to the first month of the season. And without Paul George, that Clippers team is still good, but they're not the best team of the West without Paul George. So I could see them maybe – stumbling a bit at the start until Paul George comes back. And maybe that gives other teams enough of a buffer to stay ahead of them. Um, Also, like just the schedule came out yesterday and it's pretty favorable for the jazz. And that's one of the things that I'm looking at and thinking, Ooh, uh, this could play out well for them. They they played the Clippers uh, two times in the first two weeks. And both those games look like it'll be without Paul George. Um, So that could help them. They play golden state all four times before the all-star break, which means Clay Thompson will definitely not be back for any of those four matchups. Um, there's a lot of little things like that where I'm looking at the schedule and it, it made me a little bit more confident in thinking that they could, they could pull off being maybe the top team in the West this year, even if they're not the best team overall. Yeah. And we'll see what happens coming up this season with the jazz. Uh, one last question and I'll let you go. Who's a player for the Jazz that we're probably going to need to pay attention to? We're going to assume it's not going to be like one of the stars, like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, et cetera. But who is maybe a player that we don't talk about that you think is going to have a very nice breakout season for this team? Um, breakout season? I don't know if I envision anyone really having a breakout season. Um, I mean, one of the guys you didn't mention was Rudy Gobert. Um, I just don't think Rudy Gobert gets enough talk among the national media. Um, I mean, everyone looks at Donovan Mitchell and talks about Donovan Mitchell. Um, and and rightly so Donovan kind of has the star power. Like he's, he's got the shoe. He's on team USA. Like he's, his personality is just so infectious and he just lights up a room. Um, but I mean, heading into the next year, like Rudy Gobert is the best player on the jazz. And I don't think people realize that. Like, if if you really want to look at it, Rudy Gobert is the best player on the Jazz, not Donovan Mitchell. Um, And maybe Donovan Mitchell can get there next year with all the changes and how it opens up the floor. But Gobert is a force. He was third-team All-NBA. He's two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He does so many things. Should have been an All-Star. There's two out of the last three years, he probably should have been an All-Star, but it's kind of gotten snubbed. Um, He's the guy that I think, the space is going to help everybody, but Gobert already last year had a career year in points and rebounds, and he led he led the league, and not just the league, but he set the NBA all-time dunk record in a season. Um, he had well over 200 dunks, um, and he did that with not a lot of spacing. He did that sometimes with the two-big lineup and everyone crashing in on him when he rolled to the basket similar to Donovan Mitchell and how you can't really leave those corner shooters that we're going to have. I, I, it wouldn't shock me. It's unlikely, but it wouldn't shock me if Rudy Gobert all of a sudden averaged 20 points a game this year, because it's going to be such an open floor and he's just going to get so many shots at the basket that are going to be fairly uncontested for his standards because of his wingspan and height. Um, I just, I would be very, very, very surprised if Rudy Gobert wasn't an all-star this year. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Gobert come back, and I think he's a force, and we need to pay attention to him for sure. 
Uh, well, John, thanks again for jumping on with us and talking about the jazz. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you at on social media and your writings and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. It's at John underscore Kiefer. Um, I write for, as you mentioned, Salt City Hoops. Um, I started writing for Porter Medium where I write about just kind of the NBA at the whole. Um, yeah, I mean, those are going to be the main outlets. Um, yeah, I would say that, that's where you can follow me. All right. Well, John, thanks again for jumping back on, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Hopefully around the time the regular season gets going, we'll talk more Utah Jazz. Sounds good, bud. Let's do it. All right. Thanks again, man. You too. See ya. That was my John, my convert, not my John. That was my conversation with John Kaffer, as I completely butcher us coming back from that interview. In the background, opening up his mail from the Disney store is background Josh Brown, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Everybody loves him. He's one of our favorite characters here on the show. I'm a character? Sure. Why not? I'm a person. I'm a human being. You are. You are not. You're a gimmick. Be quiet. You got a killer gimmick, though. All right. <laughs> Speaking of killer gimmick, you want to head over and visit our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Boy, do they have some gimmicks. Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC. It's Facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Man, they're putting up stuff today. I saw the old uh, WCW Brawling Buddies that they were selling. Hulk Hogan, Wolfpack Sting, and Kevin Nash. Um I almost threw money at them, but I have, I still have my Hulk Hogan one. So, but yeah, I saw that and I tagged you in a little something that uh, maybe you would want from our good uh, friends over there. I, I actually uh, already own all those things, but uh, oh, yeah? I will, but I will say that I did do it as usual. I did a quick uh, search on Amazon and eBay. And once again, uh, those prices, uh, incredibly low um in fact you can't buy uh, a used copy of some of those uh, kiss dvds from amazon they're at least mm-hmm. 60 they're at least 60 dollars some Insane. of them are some of them are in the 100 dollar range uh same with wow. ebay I, I found a few that were you know 20 25 but then you still got to pay 15 bucks for shipping so you're looking mm-hmm. at 40 you're looking at 40 bucks Fifty dollars. Some some of those two were crazy. They were in the hundred, hundred twenty five. So they, you know, if you go and have a look, I mean, those prices are. Phew, you know, do yourself a favor if you don't have them and want them. Drive down there and pick them up. That's a joke. Yeah, they post. They posted some uh, the the WCW brawling buddies. I believe the Kevin Nash was fifteen, and the Hulk Hogan and the Wolfpack Sting was uh, twenty five. And I'm guaranteeing you're not going to find it any cheaper than that. Uh, also posted some WWE action figures. Here's a Sheamus retro, one for $5, one for 8 Uh Here was a 2018 Hasbro Marvel, Captain Marvel Star Force, $10. Hit them up. And here is a variety of authentic pieces of Scooby-Doo 2, the movie, AJ Styles Elite Figures, Kiss Rock the Nation Live for $10, the Kissology Volume 1, two DVD set from 74 to 77, 10 bucks. 
and Kiss Symphony two disc DVD set eight dollars. The Kiss Symphony DVD, just for because I am a nerd and love these things, is actually Kiss in concert with a Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in the background. It's incredibly oh, wow. awesome. It's really good, and it is also no longer in print. Ooh. So, so if you if that's something you wouldn't mind owning, what is it? Eight bucks, I believe. Yeah, eight dollars. Yeah, okay, eight dollars. Like, go get it, man. You're gonna be crazy not yeah. to. I, if I didn't have that, I'd have, I'd have told you to go buy all three of them if I didn't already own them, just for that price. <laughs> yeah, it's can't. a ridiculous price. So yeah. go check them out. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Let's hear more from them. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, check out our good friends at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And before we move along here, let's go ahead and talk about Vince Carter. Vince Carter will break a record this season in the NBA. He will play for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, that has nothing to do with the record he's about to break. This will be Vince Carter's 22nd career or 22nd season of his career, breaking the record for the longest player in NBA history. Nobody's ever made it past 21. Kevin Garnett played 21. All right. He played 21 years. Vince Boom. Carter is 22. Boom. <laughs> All right. You were right. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played 21 as well. Uh, but Vince get... Carter will play his 22nd season this this upcoming year. Somebody tell Josh to take his meds. <laughs> so congratulations, Vince Carter. The Atlanta Hawks, well, looks like that's where he'll finish his career. Everyone's they, expecting this to be his last one. I think He's 42. That's, that's kind of a, a, the, 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 the term play for the Atlanta Hawks is kind of a loose one. Uh, he's not. I mean, how many minutes is he really going to see? I mean, probably not much, but, I mean, that's still pretty cool. That 22 years into his career, 42 years old, oh. he's still playing the league. That he, that he likes basketball so much. Either that or he, if he's married, he must really hate his wife. <laughs> well, possibility there, but I don't know his uh, I don't know his personal life. So, but congratulations, but congratulations go out to Vince Sanity. And uh, speaking of insanity, go over to stayclassymeats.com. Stay Classy Meats. It is insane what they're doing. When you use promo code WideAdmin, not only are you saving ten percent on your order for the greatest online meat market in the world, bar none. 
they're going to give you a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. I can't urge you enough to go get some of this food. Um, I've had it. It's incredible, the cuts of meat you get. It's incredible how much quality goes into the cuts. And you can get the 30-pound box, which is what I got, and you will eat like a king for a, a long time. You like I still got some meat in my freezer from them. I haven't had to really buy hardly any meat from the grocery store at all. And it's top quality. It's delicious. It's not frozen. It comes fresh. And uh, it's sealed in a cooler, boxed up, great stuff. Breaking and character, breaking character, breaking character, breaking character. Uh, Nathan. Yes, Josh. Stay classy meat. Yes. That's what you're talking about, right? It is. Stay classy meats. Go get some stuff off of them, guys. Had it myself. It's absolutely <laughs> delicious. Well, Bar none, go. some of the best meat ever ate in my life. Nathan, I'll let you get back to it. All right. Well, thank you. That was uh, front ground Josh Brown running across the uh, the mic's waves there. But, yeah, yeah stay classy well, meat. Uh, uh, you two are both just drowning in meat over there, are you? We are drowning in meat over here, Tim. We like meat. We like Rubber. meat. I believe it. Intern. We like those meds. Yes. Check them out. Check them out. Stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMAN. Save yourself some money. Let's go ahead and hear from them. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality product out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. You know, that's a pretty cool riff on that uh, commercial there. I found I that. That's, that's an... What yeah, is I it? About to ask you, I was about to ask you, what, 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 what was that? That's an uncredited copyright song on YouTube that I just used, that you can use for free. So, uh, shout out to those guys. The, uh, the, but, the guitar reminds me ever so slightly of uh, uh, Black Betty. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I hear that. A little Ram Jam. Yeah. Uh, definitely hear that. But uh, speaking of Ram Jam, this has nothing to do with Ram Jam. Uh, we're going to go over now and hear my conversation with Alphonse Sidney from the Five on the Floor podcast. He's a Miami native. He knows about the Miami Heat. He knows everything and anything you want to know about the Miami Heat. And we're going to hear about him as we finish our cross-country journey tonight on Wide Men Can't Jump. We went from Portland to Utah, then we took a big jump down to the 305 in Miami. Tim, what do you say, my friend? Robinson, get your hands out of your pockets. Quit playing pocket pool. Roll the tape. Well, back on the show with us from the Five on the Floor podcast, he's a co-host and a blogger, 
that would be Alphonse Sidney joining us here on the show to talk Miami Heat. Alphonse, thanks for coming back on the show, my man. No problem. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Uh, a little slow in the uh, NBA offseason right now, but gives everybody a chance to catch up on what teams did and kind of maybe preview what's going on. So uh, Miami Heat, you're our man down there on South Beach. Uh, we're looking here, of course, the news in the off season. Jimmy Butler coming to town. What does Jimmy Butler's addition to the Heat mean for Miami? Well, um, I mean, from there's several different standpoints. From a fan standpoint, uh, it kind of eases the pain of losing Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, he has just been our rock for so many years. He was our superstar. Um, when he left the first time, it was tough. At least this time, he got a proper send off. But as a Heat fan, um, looking at this team, even the most diehard fans that are excited about some of the younger guys on the team, uh, it, there's, there just really wasn't that much to get behind. Uh, but reaching out, getting Jimmy Butler, uh, who's a bona fide top 15 player in the league, uh, a big personality, a bona fide star, it kind of, it just it excited the entire fan base. You, you can feel um, you could feel the energy in the town when it comes to the Heat again. And, you know, even last year, as much as we were enjoying the last dance, watching Dwayne Wade make his tour around the NBA for the last time, it was more nostalgia. It wasn't, um, it wasn't exactly being excited about basketball reasons. Now we have basketball reasons to get excited. So the fan base is really hyped up, really excited for this year. Um, and on the court, what it does is you have your go-to guy again. And as, as good as Dwayne was last year, he really wasn't great. Um, I mean, and we understand he was in his final year. Who's great in their final year? And and they were yeah. still going to Dwayne Wade at the end of games, right? So that tells you a lot about your team that you're going to a guy at his last year when the shots when the clock's running down at the end of a game. This gives the Heat a go-to guy on the floor, a guy to focus on. Eric Spolster has always been a better coach when he can surround his game plan around a singular elite player, and that's kind of what they have right now. When you got that guy, Jimmy Butler, um, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and bring it up. I am what I would like to call a disgruntled Jimmy Butler hater. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say that. <laughs> I'm not a Sixers fan. I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, so I believe I have a uh, a reason. You have a legit gripe. The Sixers fans don't have a gripe. And I, I, I want to put that out there right now. I, I've I've been going to war with Sixers fans for the last maybe two, three months. They have no gripe. T-Wolves fans, you have a legit gripe. I will give that to you. Well, I appreciate that. But um, And TR, if you're listening, you don't have a gripe. So, which he, he was more... He wasn't the, you know, he didn't, he hated to see Jimmy go, but he wasn't like that upset about it. So he was, he's more of a Ben Simmons hater. So, but that's another story. Um, but looking at Jimmy Butler. Oh, I'd, I'd and, love to talk to a Sixers fan about hating Ben Simmons. Oh, he's <laughs> I, the guy. I, I got to, <laughs> I got to get him on the show. But yeah, I'm sorry. I keep oh, cutting you off. Go ahead. He'd love it. He'd love it. Uh, we're Everybody here is, is non-Ben Simmons fans, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But looking at yeah. uh, Jimmy. Is there any concern that maybe Jimmy could end up causing some issues in the locker room? It almost seems like, other than Philly, the other two teams he's been to have kind of had some some issues in the locker room, and he goes to Philly for a half a year, and 
he just bails to go to Miami. Is there an issue that maybe he might stir up some of those young guys or get on to some of the rookies? Like, what's the feeling there? Well, he even had problems in Philly. Um, there were reports of him clashing with some of those guys. I don't see that happening here for a couple of reasons. Number one, it seems uh, Jimmy's biggest gripe with teammates is their lack of competitiveness. And say what you will about uh, Jimmy's competitiveness. Uh, is it always healthy? The Miami Heat embrace that shit. Like, they love that stuff. They are all about being the, you know, Riley has this whole saying about the Heat are the nastiest, grimiest, most hated team in the league. They love that stuff. They like the chip on their shoulder. I mean, they've had Udonis Haslam in their locker room for damn near 20 years, and there's a reason for it. Uh, so they love that. You know, a lot of people look at Miami as glitz and glamour. They don't – in that building, they don't see themselves as glitz and glamour. They see themselves as just hardworking, a bunch of junkyard dogs. And I think they feel like – and one of the things they say when they have press conferences and they talk about the guy, they say he's exactly Miami Heat material. If you talk to diehard Heat fans and you, and you talk about Jimmy Butler, we believe that he is what the Miami – he embodies the Miami Heat spirit. You know, he's – he has that Udonis Haslam dog in him. And then second of all, when the Heat have had tons of troubled guys come through their locker room, uh, going back to, you know, Anthony Mason and uh, guys like Ike Austin, who wasn't just wasn't necessarily troubled, but, you know, he had, he, he, you know, he was on his last legs in the league. Um, you're talking even to now Dion Waiters, James Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, guys have been journeymen, guys have been malcontents their entire careers. They come to the Heat, they kind of fall in line. It's either they fall in line or it doesn't get out. One of the things about the Heat, they let nothing gets out of that building, um, and they're pretty they're pretty staunch about that. And even if you talk to guys who were around the team during the big three years, there was tons of stuff that never leaked out of that building because that's just how they do their business. So I don't see it as be, as being a problem, you know, not, not to cast any aspersions on Minnesota or Chicago, but they haven't been the most stable franchises. So uh, a, I ain't, argue, a, 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 I ain't per- arguing that. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. A personality like Jimmy, when you mix it with those franchises, I think you that's just a combustible mixture, and that's kind of what you got. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to argue that. The Minnesota franchise has been in rubbles for years. Tom Thibodeau didn't work out. It's just, It's been a mess. But, um, you know, I think there's more reason for Heat fans to celebrate, and that is uh, a little guy who got taken 13th overall in the draft, Tyler Hero. And this yeah. guy was on fire in Summer League. If anybody watched him in Summer League, I actually think he was the guy that impressed me the most from the games I got to watch in Summer League. And he was just tearing it up. Uh, what do you like about Tyler Hero? What does he bring to this Miami Heat squad? Well, I mean, the obvious thing is shooting. Um, this Heat team is going to struggle from three this year if certain guys just don't get it going. Yeah. Um, you're talking about Goron. You're talking about Deion Waiters. Um, they're hoping Myers Leonard could bring them something from three that Justice Winslow can inc- can continue his hot shooting. But a lot of that gets fixed really quickly if Tyler Hero can come in and shoot 38, 39% from three. As a rookie, I know that's a lot to ask, but he's shown those flashes. So 
right out the gate, he's going to provide shooting and that the Heat desperately need. But what he also showed in summer league, and I think you saw it if you if, you know if you if you were impressed by him, you saw he has a, he has some ball handling ability. He has ability to create space. He's a much better passer than I had read about, that I had heard about. Just watching him pass in summer league, I mean, just the strength behind his passes, the pinpoint accuracy. He's a really really good passer. So if he can bring, and I, you know, I hate to do the whole white guy, white guy thing, but if he could bring a little bit of that J.J. Redick, um, a little bit of that Mike Miller, I think a lot of people are, are, are doing the Mike Miller comparison with him. And if that's the kind of thing he's going to bring to the table, then that's just amazing. I don't know if he's going to be ever, if he'll ever be the defender Mike Miller was or even J.J. Redick, um, but he, he wants to defend, which the Heat like, and he has a lot of those other tools that, you know, maybe not this year, but next year, I think he'll really, really, you know, come into his own and be a big, a huge asset. Yeah, definitely. I was impressed, and I think he'll, uh, I think he'll do great uh, at the next level. You're on Drogic. This was a guy who, if you followed the news reports, he was in Miami. He was gone from Miami. He was in Dallas. Now he's back in Miami. What's the deal on Yoran Drogic, and why are the Heat kind of? Uh, they went and they were trading him, and they weren't. What, what happened there? Well, there's a couple things with Goran. The Heat love Goran Dragic. Absolutely love him. Um, I was at the press conference uh, after they, you know, selected Tyler Hero, and Riley came out to do his, uh, you know, his his annual thing after the draft. And, you know, he couldn't say enough great things about Goran because they love the guy, and Goran loves Miami, but there's – you, you, we're getting to the point now where it's just starting to make sense if they moved off of him because he's owed about, I think, a little, between 17 and 18 million this year. Um, he's an expiring contract, so that means he's valuable on the trade market. He could bring you something back significant um, as far as a contract is concerned. So when you're in the mix for a guy like Bradley Beal, let's say, but you have to take on John Wall, you're definitely going to have to give up Goran Dragic. When you're trying to make room for uh, uh, Jimmy Butler to to make the money work, you had to get rid of Hassan or Goran. And at that time, nobody thought you could get rid of Hassan. Um, amazingly, Portland took him on, so you didn't have to lose Goran. But I don't see Goran going past the trade deadline just because as an $18 million expiring deal, a point guard that as a backup or even a starter for a team that maybe loses a guy to injury or a contending team that needs a sixth, seventh man off the bench, he's so he's super valuable. And it could if it could net the heat something in return, they're they're going to move off of him. And also they believe in Justice Winslow and they believe in him a lot at the point guard position. And if you believe in Justice at the point guard position, he doesn't fit that well with a guy like Goran because Goran needs the ball in his hands way too much. Um, so you're going to be basically relegate Goran to a, a, a backup point guard. And they part, partially just to uh, kind of appease Goran, they, they, they would rather put him in a situation where, you know, he could still play 28, 30, 32 minutes a game. Um, don't think that's going to be the case here next year if Justice Winslow is a starter. So how big was the parade when Hassan Whiteside finally got shipped out of Miami? Like there was there 10 floats, 12 floats, 10 bands, 12 bands. Like I, I got to know, because I'm sure this was a huge parade when Hassan Whiteside finally left Miami. Listen, brother, I when that Woj tweet hit, man, 
I mean, you heard a you heard a collective gasp from the city of Miami. It, it, we could not believe it. it. I read it like three, four times. I had Woj on notifications in the off season. I was like, did I get tricked by a fake Woj? What is going on? Why why is Mo Harkless on my team? <laughs> you know, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> we were ecstatic. And listen. <laughs> yeah, Mo gets traded every offseason many times. But, he really um, does. <laughs> Mo has there's a thousand Mo Harkless jerseys out there in every team's name. But um, if you have, we, if um, you have every Mo Harkless jersey for every team he's been on, I think <laughs> you deserve some sort of wing in the Hall of Fame because you have spent way more money than you ever needed to. Like his mom has probably got a wing at her house for his jerseys. But he's a good player. He is a good player. I was like, oh, man, uh, we could use more Harkless. And then he was gone in 15 seconds. Um, wow. But, yeah, you know, I, I don't – I'm not like a lot of he fans that want to bash um, Hassan pers- personally. Um, you know, some of his uh, some of his comments in the offseason have already gone to, 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 you know, elite levels of pettiness, which, you know, you got to – you kind of expect from the guy. It was – he just was never a fit here. Never. I talked earlier about what Jimmy Butler brings to the team and what the what the Heat love about Jimmy Butler. All of that is antithetical to what Hassan Whiteside is um, as a player and just as as somebody as somebody in the locker room. So I, it, it, there was no way Jimmy Butler and Hassan Whiteside were going to coexist on this team. <laughs> I think as a, oh, as a Timberwolves wish, fan, you know that. Oh, I wish I wish that was a thing. <laughs> I wish we could have had that. I want. I want cameras in the locker room if Jimmy Butler and Hassan Whiteside are ever on a team together. I got to watch this. It'd be better than any reality TV show ever. That would have been a fist fight on the court. Like, can you get, can, can you get suspended for fighting your own players on the court? I, for your own teammates? I guess you can. I don't even think they would I mean, make Bobby it Portis warm-up. is an example. Oh, yeah. Bobby Portis. There'd be blood in you the layup like- line. Yeah, they they would just be falling all over each other. But you know, uh, I knew Hassan Whiteside back when because uh, being from West Virginia, he played at the University of Marshall, which is about two hours from uh, where I live. So I saw Whiteside as a freshman in college, and I, I recognized his talent. And then I'm like, man, this, this dude's gonna be special. And then he comes out after like his freshman sophomore year for the draft, and I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> like that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yep. And then the, the Kings take him with, like, the 55th pick or something in the draft, ends up overseas, um, didn't do well in Sacramento, ends up in Miami and kind of found himself and became the white side that everybody thought he could be. But then all of a sudden, I guess being in Miami and hanging out on the beaches all day or something, I don't know what happened, this dude's ego got up to about the size of uh, Madison Square Garden or, you know, the arena's all over the country, this guy, I don't know what's got into him, but, man, he he's, a, he's a special case. Yeah, he got paid, that's he for got sure. Paid. That, that is what there, – there's, there's not, it's not a mystery. He got paid. The sec, the, he, he got humbled when he was playing in Pakistan or wherever the hell he was, and then he got here. He, he, he played his ass off, worked his ass off, got paid, and became Hassan. I mean, he became the guy – uh, you were wondering why the hell he left college. Like, he, he went right back to who he was. Um, and there were times he showed flashes where, you know, he was he, he got put on the bench and he, 
He accepted his bench role, at least publicly. Um, but, but then you hear now that behind the scenes, he was just a malcontent the entire time. And it's just like, you know what? I personally hope that he does well in Portland. The funny thing is he keeps uh, tweeting out and putting on Instagram how now he's finally has shooters. It doesn't matter if Hassan has shooters. He doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> you know, who That's cares? True. You know, yeah, who cares if, if Shaq had Glenn Rice if Shaq never passed Glenn Rice the ball? <laughs> so yeah. I don't care. Like, you know, I think his best game is four assists. Like that's wow. his highest assist total. He's he's a black when he gets the ball, he is a black hole in in the paint. And if he doesn't if he doesn't shed that part of his game, he's not he, he, by all star uh, by the trade deadline or by All Star weekend, he's not going to be starting for Portland anymore. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that they're uh, they're having him start, which that kind of took me by surprise that he would be starting. Um, and here's the weird, the weirdest thing about um, Hassan is Hassan came in, and I, if I'm not mistaken, if I've got this right, he left after uh, his coach at uh, Marshall resigned in 2010. Um, I'm trying to figure out here. I'm looking. I believe. Okay, no, he would not have played for Coach Dan D'Antoni. Um, I was just wondering if Dan D'Antoni had taken over that job when Hassan left, what kind of player he could have been under him, but he didn't. Um, but, yeah, Hassan's just um, – he's a different case, so we'll see what happens with him. But his replacement at center, uh, the man who – probably my favorite Heat player, honestly, is uh, Bam Adebayo. I really like this guy. He's just a classic just bruiser. But I like what he does defensively. He's a good floor spacer. Uh, tell me about Bam Adebayo. What what should we look for from him this season? So in the Heat, uh, in that building, in American Airlines Arena, there's one guy that anytime you hear trade talk, anytime you hear any rumblings, any rumors, anything, any scuttlebutt, whatever you want to call it, there's one guy who's absolutely untouchable. It's Bam Adebayo. Not Justice Winslow, not Tyler Harrow, not um, Casey Aspala. Nothing. No, there's there's not a single per, there's not a single player on the Heat team right now that's untouchable except for Bam Adebayo. This, after that, it would probably be Justice Winslow. Like you're gonna have to offer the Heat something special to get Justice Winslow off their hands. But Bam Adebayo is completely untouchable. It's a complete non-starter. Don't don't even bring him up in trade talks. Is because that's how much they believe in that kid. And it's it's like you said, he's a bruiser. He is a big, strong, athletic guy. But and it doesn't just stop there. It's the fact that Udonis Haslam, who the Heat respect, the entire fan base, the entire city, the entire state respects. When Udonis Haslam gushes about Bam Adebayo's work ethic, about his toughness, about who he is as a person, his character, everyone's ears perks up. They we perk up and we listen because nobody's more respected than UD. So you got Udonis Haslam, you got the Heat, you have everybody backing this guy and loving everything about him. And he, every year, he adds more and more to his game. So, no, he is not the rim protector shot blocker that Hassan was. But he, with the defensive numbers that when he's on the court are so much better because he switches, he can switch on everything. There's, there's an entire YouTube video dedicated to Bam Adebayo switching on to smaller point guards. Locking up Seth Curry in a corner, locking—I mean, locking up LeBron James. Like 
He can he can defend one through five. He's that good defensively, and he just keeps adding to his game offensively. Uh, he's just getting further and further away from the rim when, in his touch. He can shoot the three. There's, I really think he is poised for a huge year. He need, he needs 32, 35 minutes a game on the floor. And that was never going to happen with, with Hassan. So, like, yeah. one of the things with the Hassan trade, it became addition by subtraction. Now you're going to see Bam Adebayo in in full plume, if you will. And, like, I think the entire league – I think guys like you, guys who pay attention to the league right now have noticed, but I think the entire league is about to take notice, and even casual fans. It's going to be – I think it's – this is Bam's year, and he's got to show us something. Yeah, and I think he will. He's a special player. Um, were you surprised that with Jimmy Butler coming to Miami, because there was a lot of rumblings that uh, Russell Westbrook was wanting to come to Miami and be the, the point guard there, uh, were you surprised that Butler was really the only uh, major star to make Miami his home in this offseason? No, uh, because the the uh, like the Russell Westbrook trade, um, the Chris Paul trade, even the uh, Bradley Beal trade that was discussed, they all came with huge, huge caveats, right? Russell Westbrook is um, – the Heat are very big on analytics, and they lo- and Coach Bolcher loves uh, Russell Westbrook. But the problem with uh, bringing over Russell was the Thunder wanted – you know, the Thunder wanted the Heat's youth. They wanted guys like Bam. They wanted Justice. They wanted all these – you know, they wanted the youth and – that he just were not willing to give that up because of Russell's contract. Russell is a historically inefficient player. Like I like Russell Westbrook. I enjoy watching him, but on the court, he's historically inefficient. Um, he's, um, he's on the, he's about to be on the, he's either on the wrong side of 30 or he's about to be, he's owed an, an astronomic amount the next three years. Um, and yeah, it just it's, kind it's of absurd how much money he's making. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's super. Really, what what happened to the Heat when it came to adding a second star this off season is the supermax. <laughs> the supermax destroyed uh, basically any chance of the Heat adding that second star because you cannot pay Russell Westbrook in four years forty seven point two million dollars. You just can't do it. No, absolutely. And it, no, that's and if you're gonna if you're certain. gonna do it. Yeah, if you're going to do it, it better cost you guys like Goran Dragic, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters. It can't cost you uh, Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero because now you have no future. And you've basically yeah. tied yourself to an albatross of a contract. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, and you look at the, the Supermaxes now, uh, Westbrook's making $47 million a few years. Uh, the last year of Dame Lillard's contract, he's scheduled to make – Fifty million dollars for one season, which is just crippling. That's insane to me. But if but you, you believe got in your guy, guy, you got Andrew. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. We, yeah. Don't remind me we have Andrew Wiggins, but yes, he's there. <laughs> um, Nobody's taking that contract. It's oh, yeah. it's it, the only guy I've ever seen that can score nineteen points a game and just not care. And his lack of effort, but it's it, it's it's saddening to me, and and we deserve better, and Carl Anthony Towns deserves better, but nevertheless, um, yeah, well, those contracts will, and and I guess that's what they were designed to do, 
is to keep players on their original teams and give them that amount of money and to prevent the stacking of teams per se, which, yeah, great job, NBA. But, um, yeah, it doesn't. Which this year, it's, it's looking interesting. But, I mean, when well, you look at these well, contracts, the, it's insane. They've crippled. It's, it was meant to help a small market team, but it's crippled them. Right, because yeah. you can't add. First of all, you don't have an, you don't have the kind of franchise and then go into the luxury tax consistently. So you take up half of your cap with one guy, right? And the, the guy held, holds you hostage um, because he's the best superstar you've ever had in the history of your franchise. And you have, you know, you you basically you, you have to gamble on it because you can't att- attract free agents. So you put all your money into one guy. And now your cap is crippled. Um, look at what Charlotte had to decide with Kemba Walker. Yeah. Um, they And they made the right decision. And you people can talk bad about Charlotte all they want. The right decision is to not let Kemba Walker destroy your entire cap. And what they should have done is if they really wanted this to work, you can give the super max, but anything above the normal max doesn't count to get your salary cap. If they did it that way, the small market teams could keep their players and they could actually build a team around them. The problem is guys like Kemba, guys like um, Russell, guys like Wiggins, they're going to end up being the only superstar on a bad team but making a shit ton of money. That's that's the way this is set up to work. Yeah, and if Wiggins is the only star we got, I'm really going to be hurting. However, Towns did sign an extension this summer or this past summer, so – we got a little time left with him, so let's hope and pray. Uh, because I, I maintain Wiggins' contract. Without Wiggins' contract, D'Angelo Russell's in Minnesota right now, and that team looks a lot better. But nevertheless, you know, Frog had wings. He wouldn't bump his ass when he jumped either. But um, yeah. anyway, let's get back to the heat here. Um, we're looking at, you know, Myers Leonard is another guy that came over, and I think people undervalue him. Now, granted – I'm not going to sit here and say I'm super sold on Myers Leonard, but I like Myers Leonard better than Zach Collins, personally. Um, I always thought Collins was one of the most overrated players coming out because he played at Gonzaga, and there's only been one player to come out of Gonzaga worth a shit. So, uh, to me, Myers Leonard not Adam was Morrison. the better guy. Oh, oh, Adam Morrison, you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus. If you look at the careers of Gonzaga players in the NBA, it will stun you how bad it is. It's ridiculous. Remember, uh, oh, shit, what was his name? I lost it. But, yeah, John Stockton, the only player to come out that was worth a shit. Uh, you know, Adam Morrison, <laughs> all these other guys, nothing, just nothing. But Myers Leonard, good piece for Miami, um, and I think they, they got him. Uh, it wasn't like a bad, really bad contract either. He's coming to, to the heat. What, what's your thoughts on Myers Leonard coming in? Um. I um I don't I didn't know a lot about Myers Leonard before the trade, so I went back and looked. I saw what he shot from three in the playoffs and in the regular season. And I mean, he's not a good shooter for a big man. He's an elite shooter for anybody. I mean, he's an elite three point shooter. Um, from what I heard, he's a good passer. He's good in a, he'll he'll facilitate offense. Um, he's not the greatest defender in the world, but with the with with guys like Bam Bam Adebayo, Justice Winslow, and Jimmy Butler on the floor. He doesn't need to be a great defender. Um, and the Heat are always a top six, t- top five defense in the league, no matter who they have out there. Um, so I've been excited, but I really got excited when we had uh, David Thorpe, uh, at Coach Thorpe on Twitter, who uh, works with a lot of guys in the offseason, 
Um, you know, a lot of G League guys getting them ready, trying to get uh, NBA workouts. He's an excellent analyst, and he could not stop talking and stop gushing about Myers Leonard and what he's going to bring uh, when it comes to floor spacing for the Heat. And that is what the Heat need. The Heat needs spacers. And uh, if you saw what the Heat's uh, offense was with Kelly Olynyk on the floor last year, they were um, their offensive rating was through the roof when Kelly Olynyk was out there. So if you have another guy like Kelly Olynyk, another big who can play alongside Bam Adebayo, Bam can do what Bam does best. And you have another big out there who can help rebound, help do the little things, but also offensively can spread the floor so you don't have two big lugs in there uh, basically clogging up the middle. I mean, it's, it's going to mean a lot. Like, So I'm not overselling what uh, Myers can bring to the table, but I do think that if if the cards fall in the right place, he actually could be a very important piece to a six, seven, eight-man rotation. In fact, he might even start. Uh, there's There have been some people who, who, who think that he's going to start at center and uh, Bam is going to start at power forward with Jimmy Butler at the three, DR Waiters at the two, and Justice Winslow at the one, which is a really, really intriguing lineup when you talk about spacing. Yeah, definitely. I'm uh, looking at the athletic. Uh, the article by uh, Shandell Richardson has Drogic starting, Dion Waiters at the two, Butler three, Kelly Olenek starting at the four, and Bam at the five. But they do have Winslow playing 26 minutes per game and Leonard playing Shandell, 17. Shandell's oh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I love Shandell, <laughs> uh, but he's wrong. Shandell well, also said that, uh, said that Allen Iverson had a better career than Dwayne Wade. So um, wow. he was also drunk <laughs> at a, a beach bar in Fort Lauderdale. So I won't hold it completely against him. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, yeah, Shandell is wrong. Oh, Lauderdale. I remember I got on the wrong bus when I was in Miami one time and ended up in Lauderdale. And I said, how the hell did I get here? But <laughs> It's a good time, my brother. Just head towards the beach. My trips, in my, my trips in Miami were weird, but they were fun. I had a good time. Uh, WrestleMania 2012 was in Miami, and I was down there for that. So I had a good time. Uh, nice. What I remember. But uh, <laughs> last thing I'll ask you here before I let you go, Alphonse, is um, – he uh, completely, really just a, a different look. Josh Richardson's gone, and Jimmy Butler is in. Uh, Whiteside's gone now, so Dwayne Wade's finally retired. Where do the Heat end up realistically at the end of this season, do you think? Where are they competing for? Are they a playoff team? I say yes. Uh, are they top four in the East, or are they still uh, in that five through eight category? I see them anywhere from three to six. Um, just, I really believe in Spolster. I think Spolster is this X factor that a lot of people aren't talking about. I feel like, um, he's had a lot of crap to deal with the last two, three years, uh, between Chris Bosch's blood clots, um, you know, a team of journeymen, <laughs> you know, not the, you know, a lot of young guy, a, a mix of, uh, you know, snot nosed kids and a uh, journeyman veterans, um, and he's put it together, and he's had some very competitive teams. Um, but I feel like this year it, the, the roster makes sense. And I feel like when you give Coach Bolster a roster that makes sense, he can do a lot with it. 
And that being said, when you look around the rest of the East, there's a whole bunch of question marks. The only non-question marks to me are Milwaukee and Philadelphia. You kind of peg them as one and two, right? Um, but then who else? Toronto. Toronto lost Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. I don't believe mm-hmm. in I don't believe in Toronto. They might be a good regular season team, uh, you know, riding the backs of uh, Gasol, Lowry, and um, Siakam. But I don't see them as a top four team in the East. Um, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But it's a huge question mark. The Boston Celtics. You lose Al Horford and Kyrie Irving, and you replace them with Kemba Walker. And um, what's the other dude's name? Ennis Cantor. Yeah, Ennis. <laughs> I can't even remember his name. That's how important he is. Um, and you replace <laughs> <laughs> you replace them with those guys. I mean, it's like the you know, it's like the bizarro world version of Kyrie and Horford. Now, does this bring back the uh, the Jason Tatum and the, the the Brown, and does it bring back these guys that we saw a few years ago going to playoffs? Who knows? Another huge question mark. The Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving, with Al Kevin Durant, what are they? We don't know. So I see a lot of question marks, even Indiana, um, even with, uh, with, with everybody returning, what are they? We don't know what Indiana is. So I do think that he'd have a really good chance to be between that three and five spot um, because they, they, they have more identity than a lot of these other teams do. And um, apparently they have the third easiest record in the league. I don't know how that's really calculated, but that's, <laughs> that's what was on Twitter. Um, I, so I, I do figure I see that, that out because everybody plays everybody. How do you figure that out? I, well, I mean, whatever, what, I guess, think, right? I guess maybe they only play Milwaukee three times instead of four. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> so, but apparently that's what they say. But I, I less about that and more about the un the uncertainty when it comes to the team in the teams in the East. Uh, I, I I think the Heat. I think anything less than a five seed will be a disappointment this year. All right. Well, Fonz, thank you so much for jumping on and talking some Heat basketball with us. And we had a we had a pretty good time actually. So uh, I appreciate it, and I know our listeners will enjoy this interview because it was it's always fun. Uh, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you at on social media and everywhere else. You can find me on Twitter at Alf A L F nine five four. So at Alf nine five four, you can hear me on five the five on the floor podcast with Ethan Skolnick, um, national writer for in the past Bleacher Report, um, Sun Sentinel, but now we're with Five Reason Sports. Uh, check out all the podcasts on the Five Reason Sports Network. You can also catch me if you want to hear me talk politics, pop culture, and sports, just a mix of everything on a show we have called Light Skinned Opinions. Light Skinned Opinions is, I know the name is funny, but <laughs> Light Skinned Opinions <laughs> is also on the Five Reason Sports Network. Um, you, realize yeah, you're listen, on a show called, you realize you're on a show right now called Wide Men Can't Jump, right? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, which which is why I felt I could plug my light skin opinion show. So plug away. check out light skin, light skin light skin opinions. Will it'll make you laugh? It'll make you think. It's really um, it's it's three guys sitting around a table. It's barbershop talk, having a great time. Um, if you if you get offended, we did our job. Uh, so check that out <laughs> if you want to hear me raw and uncut and uh, a little bit uh, bo- more boisterous. But yeah. Uh, it's a good time. So, yeah, check me out wherever, in 
We're on everything, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. I don't know how any of this stuff works. Just found out that we were on YouTube the other day. I have no idea. But, yeah, we're, <laughs> it's a good time. Oh, yeah. We have a show similar to that on Sunday, sometimes called the Sunday Night Roundtable, where we just go off on stuff. So, sounds good. And thank you, Alphonse, for jumping on, talking heat ball with us. And uh, we'll have you back as the regular season gets closer. I, I look forward to it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And that was Alphonse Sidney from the Five on the Floor podcast talking Miami Heat as we round out this cross-country coverage of the NBA tonight on Wide Men Can't Jump. And, Tim, before we jump to you, because I know you have something to add here to finish the show off, I do want to remind everyone to check out our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcampfund.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets at stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. The show should be fixed on iTunes very soon, so we'll be back on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and at WIDEMENCAN'TJUMP.COM and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash WIDEMENCAN'TJUMP. Monday, we will have a new Patreon post up for you. It'll be our interview and talk with Wolfie D. We're going to go ahead and get our Wolfie D interview up. Make sure you check that out. Hear the stories from Memphis all the way to the Nation of Domination to OVW as in the, in the Disciples of Sin and all the way to TNA and even more with struggles from his real life to the story of The Undertaker's interaction with Jamie Dundee in a locker room when Jamie Dundee was uh, in a compromising position. We'll leave it at that. It's $2 a month, guys. That's all we're asking here, and that helps us get more Patreon shows because we like to get our money out to the gentlemen that come on the show to help them out, and it helps us out. So it's starting at $2 a month. Go check it out, patreon.com slash widemencantjump. And I believe that's about all I have here. Thanks to John Keffer. Thanks to Alphonse Sidney, and thanks to Danny Maring for coming on. Thanks to everybody for listening in, as always. Go check out Horseburner's new album. It's up on iTunes and anywhere you find uh, music. Go check them out. And now, as the world turns in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we kick it over to our our man on the scene. Here he is, folks. Tim, take it away. Now, as you know, Nate, uh, I like to scour the uh, airwaves for uh, breaking news. And I've just come across on uh, the Chinese television network uh, oh, breaking wow. story about the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Now, of course, this is all in Chinese. So uh, oh, I have I have uh, done you the favor of uh, translating it also. Uh, and we uh, thank let's you. Let's just go here and over the transcript. Um, so uh, let, let's let's just uh, transfer over to our uh, our reporter on the scene. Please do. Rom Tobinson. Rom Tobinson here. I'm live at the Wells Fargo Center where 76ers owner Josh Harris has just announced, shocking the world, that he has sold 51% of the team to a business consortium consisting of LaVar Ball and Baby Fultz. Oh, my God. Uh, The uh, lawyer for the pair, uh, Allie McBeal, 
had the following statement. <laughs> and uh, these are some of the uh, main points of, uh, the, of the press conference. I mean, I realize that the translation might, might not make some sense here because, of course, we're going from Mandarin to English, and that can be difficult. Uh, as, I as I understand it, the 76ers have fired Coach Brett Brown and replaced him with the tandem of Doug Moe and Johnny Davis. So look that up. If you don't know who those two gentlemen are, uh, you will be shocked. Uh, LeVar Ball has also been named the head of social media and has a new Twitter handle, at 76 this mother foe. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, anyway, uh, from now on, uh, there'll be a surcharge levied against all fans named Tom or Thomas. I'm not sure what that's called. Uh, Markel Fultz is to be reacquired by any means necessary. And then Simmons and Fultz will be referred to as the Shaq-like three-point shooters in all press releases going forward. <laughs> Uh, ownership would also like to announce a uh, media blitz called Trust the Process Part 2 Suck It TR. I'm not sure what that <laughs> means. That might have got lost in translation. Uh, and in a bizarre move that I really can't figure out, this one has got to be wrong in the translation. All ugly coats have been banned from the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> I, I I think we'll have to check on that. Um, yeah, let's get now, into that. Uh, oh my God, uh, there seems to be a bit of a stir in the crowd, mate. Uh, oh, oh my God, there's a man in a oh in what is a god awful color, torching his way towards the podium. Uh, oh my God, uh, he's trying to get a baby false. Uh, that's Tom Robinson. Uh, oh no, really he's really picking up steam as he heads towards that podium. Oh my God. Oh, oh, the humanity. He's tripped over his own coat and landed on the prostate of Joel Embiid. That's ridiculous. <laughs> My God. Uh, security's coming. Um, they've used his own coat to restrain him. Uh, Tom appears to be muttering out something about get my AMC pacer out of hock uh, and tell the old lady to wash the 62 Ford F-150. Oh, the humanity. I've never seen such destruction since the Hindenburg, Nate. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I think we're being cut off, Nate. Uh, I think we're losing the feed. Uh, always something in Philadelphia. No more ugly coats at Wells Fargo. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network, located at BlogTalkRadio.com and at WideMenCan'tJump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at WideMenCan'tJump.com, and also be sure. To check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also at WideBeanCanShum.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WIDEBEN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.